Kate, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Appreciate your time. Uh, for the listeners, why don't you maybe tell a little bit about your background, maybe uh, kind of where'd you grow up and, you know, maybe like, what were you like as a kid? Hamilton, thank you so much for having me. I take part in this. I have admired you since we met several thank years you. ago and <laughs> love seeing the growth of, of you and your business. And I am from Norfolk. I grew up here in West Kent and I um, went to UVA and after college moved to New York, worked in the for-profit sector for several years, met my husband, we moved to Northern Virginia and lived uh, there for five years. And I continued working in for-profit and was part of the dot-com bubble that burst and then transitioned to nonprofit work in Northern Virginia. And then we moved back here. He's from uh, Michigan, but we, I lured him down here. And we moved here 16 years ago and started a family. And I've been in for profit, sorry, in, for, in nonprofit work the entire time that I've been back. Love that. So. And uh, kind of, what kind of studies were you into and kind of like, you know, maybe. What was like your first job out of college? So I was an art history major and I wanted to attempt to put my degree to work. So I managed a gallery on the Upper East Side for a print dealer. And I learned a lot about people. And I also learned that the person and people that I work with makes a huge difference to me and the environment that I'm in. And it was, this particular job was challenging and it wasn't the place for me um, because I didn't like things being thrown at me and yelled at me. So So, um, I loved my other colleagues, but it was uh, just not something that that I felt like was going to be good for me. And so I decided to do a reset. And I thought about what I wanted to do, and I was um, really interested in television programming and kind of content development. And so I completely switched trajectories, and I worked for a television production and distribution company that um, is now bankrupt, but at the time was a really interesting place to work because they had been doing film and had just started a television division and so I worked in the television division and I had a chance to review and screen TV treatments and um, help on some co-productions that the company was doing and really had an opportunity to have my hands on a lot of things um, for a small company and so that was really fascinating and from there I went to Nielsen and I was a ratings analyst on the, their cable division side and had an opportunity to work with a lot of cable television clients and doing kind of custom analyses for them. And I also learned that from my experience there that advertising um, and the rating system is really subjective and so it was um, an interesting exposure into sort of the behind the scenes of how really millions and millions of dollars is allocated based on ratings um, that is very much of an imper- in my opinion an imperfect science um, 
So that ended my professional work in New York um, when my husband proposed and we moved. And I took the experience that I had at Nielsen um, doing the data analysis and worked for an internet company um, that was a spin-off a joint venture from Time Warner, Time Warner Cable and another cable company. It was high-speed high internet in the very early days of high-speed internet, the mid to late 90s, mm-hmm. which is really crazy to think about when email was really just getting started as in That's the amazing. workplace. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dating myself. And um, that was a fun company to work with. It, it had... Uh, you know some of the elements of a of an early dot com startup feel, but it was a you know well funded large company, and I did a lot of data analysis for them, and that was fun for a time, and and then the bubble burst, and um, I received a very generous severance package, and so had an opportunity to really sit back and reflect, and decide what I was most interested in doing and most passionate about. And that was when I said, you know what, I really want to try nonprofit work. I want to have an opportunity to give back to the community in a different way. Um, And just for me, it wasn't, I had not found a passion in the for-profit world. Mm. And, um, you know, really admire lots of folks like you who do. Um, and but it just wasn't something I wasn't interested in going back to art. Um, I think I the the side of the art world that I had been exposed to while uh, exhilarating um, was uh, was not something I was interested in throwing myself into again. So I had a chance to reinvent, and I worked for um, an association of which there are many in Northern Virginia. So all these groups that support essentially other entities. Um, And so the group that I worked for was very random, Um, but I worked for an association that supported pharmaceutical sciences and scientists, and I was a meeting and conference planner for them. So I learned all about how to plan large, you know, thousands of people coming together for an educational conference. Um, and so very, very great hands-on knowledge that I have carried with me, you know, 20 years later. What's kind of a checklist or maybe like, what is the challenging part about that uh, kind of experience planning, uh, you know, a huge event for like thousands of people? Like, what is the, what's that process like? It's a ton of moving pieces. It's, it's you know, logistical challenges from... <clears throat> Um, and being prepared for the things that you can't really plan for. You know, there's always something that pops up that's, uh, that's unanticipated. You know, you do as much advanced planning as you can, and then, you know, your keynote speaker's flight gets canceled, and you've got to scramble. And so, or, would it, you know, there's always, there's always kind of some, something that happens. Mm-hmm. And so you just learn how to... Deal with what you have and move on in the best way that you can. Um, what I particularly liked about that or about the organization that I worked for is that they were really committed to um, hiring young people and training them and um, providing them with skills to that they could you know keep keep there and utilize and then move on and go and do other things. And so 
Um, looking back on it now, I love seeing where my former colleagues have have gone, and and um, one colleague in particular has gone on to do big time um, marketing and promotion for NBC and and for um, Black journalism, and it has been fantastic to see what he has gone to accomplish because he was given an opportunity to gain critical organizational skills and you know how to manage through um, challenging situations that you can't anticipate. So, love it. Yeah. So I loved I loved that, um, and that was great. It was just a great place environment for me to be in and then we moved here uh, my husband and I BC we moved here when we were ready to start a family and we basically told each other well Northern Virginia is really interesting but neither one of us are in politics and we don't see a need to make DC our home long term um, but I did love living in Northern Virginia because we lived in Arlington County, which is a very small um, and progressive government. And so we had an opportunity to do a lot of civic engagement work, um, you know, active with the Civic League, do city planning, work with city council. And that was my first exposure, in addition to just working in the nonprofit field, to actually being an engaged citizen and in, in, as an adult. And so I loved that Arlington County provided that opportunity for me to do that. So then when we were ready to move back here, um, I had that, that personal experience um, and could kind of parlay that and, and keep that as a part of my life, which I you know, have, find a lot of um, value in doing for me. So. Okay. And uh, so you, you moved to Northern Virginia and then how did you kind of, when you got back here, what were some of the organizations you were working with and what did you do? So my first job back uh, was with Virginia Opera. And so I took that conference planning experience and, and then turned it into um, event planning at the opera and worked in their development department, which is, at a nonprofit is often the, the department where they're doing all of your events and activities for members and non-members donors. Um, and so worked worked there for... Um, about a year and a half, and then went to WHRO because I'm a I'm a avid consumer of public media, and um, loved having an opportunity to to be there and learned how to work a pledge drive and how to be on camera, how to read off a teleprompter, how to do a, a radio pitch drive, um, and continued to to volunteer and do that um, after I left the organization, but was there for a while and did events for them and, fun, and then started doing more active fundraising um, and working with individuals and businesses in the communities that were interested in philanthropy and interested in supporting um, public broadcasting. And then I had an opportunity to join the Chesapeake Bay Foundation and was there for nine years and um, absolutely adored being there. They, the, the Bay Foundation, um, which is how we met, yes. um, has had had a presence in Hampton Roads since the 70s, but it was very much behind the scenes. And so I had an opportunity to help the organization grow their visibility by growing their support base. 
Um, and so we went from having no street presence um, to being able to build the Brock Environmental Center in Virginia Beach. And it was just an absolute joy to be a part of that process and see the success of the Bay Foundation and really, I think, you know, environmental conservation and stewardship of which you are, you know, living every day, um, to see that really continue to grow in our community. Um, so loved being able to, to be able to do that. Um, from the Bay Foundation, I uh, went back to my art roots and was um, the head of development for the Chrysler Museum, and so I had an opportunity to be back in the art world, which was really interesting and, and loved being able to help support the incredible exhibitions and work that the museum is, continues to do. And then I joined um, Hampton Roads Community Foundation about a year and a half ago, and uh, which had been a long time dream for me um, to be able to be a part of the Community Foundation because I have admired the work of the Community Foundation for more than a decade. And so, um, so in my role there now, I get to work with folks from all walks of life who are just interested in helping make our community a better place. And that is incredibly rewarding. So it's, you know, folks who might be thinking about their legacy, thinking about what, what they want, that they care about, that they want to help sustain after they're gone or in their lifetime. I work with um, organizations that have endowment funds. We hold endowment funds for them to, to help those nonprofits be sustainable. Um, we help folks set up scholarship funds. Um, I just talked to a person yesterday who wants to set up a scholarship fund um, when she passes away, and nice. she wants to help people, women, go into science, and so we're going to help her do that. And that is just, it's a gift. I feel like it's a, it's a gift for me to be able to help people um, realize their vision in that way, and that's going to support our community for many, many generations. And how is Hampton Roads Community Foundation sort of organized and structured and maybe talk about the team, maybe like, you know, how many people are you working with on a daily basis, that kind of thing? So we are a small organization. The Community Foundation now has um, 17 folks on staff, but we work with hun hundreds of people. We, um, so a community foundation is a little bit of a, a unique Nonprofit. There are we are one of 750 community foundations across the country, um, and community foundations really exist to support the community. Um, we do that through providing grants and scholarships. We're the largest grant and scholarship provider in Hampton Roads. Um, we have more than 430 students that are currently receiving scholarships, most of them to for four-year colleges, but we also have students that receive scholarships to go to medical school or other graduate studies. Um, and those, the vast majority of those scholarships focus on um, need and merit, but definitely need-based. I mean, the goal is to 
provide educational experiences for kids who, who want to get that from the scholarship side. Um, we, and then we also help folks um, who want to manage their philanthropy in their, in their current lifetime and then folks who made um, an estate gift. And so we are helping fulfill their vision for philanthropy, whatever it might, might be. It could be um, that they believe in environmental conservation and so they uh, created a fund that would help support that, you know, to, it, it literally is whatever they have in mind. If it's supporting a nonprofit in the Hampton Roads or even outside of Hampton Roads, um, they come to us and we help them fulfill that. Our department, our, our organization in general, um, We've got our development team um, and donor engagement, so those are folks that are helping um, donors that are alive. Um, and then we have our communications team that kind of helps get the message out. And we have um, our program team that helps with our competitive grant process. We award, um, let's see, I think our numbers for last year were we the organization gave out more than $19 million wow. um, in, in the year. So it's, it, it was, and that's Sounds all going <laughs> out in the community um, and beyond to, to help causes and help organizations and help people. Um, and our, the, our newest initiative at the Community Foundation is really focused on um, civic leadership and civic engagement and um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so over the past, a little bit more than a year, um, we are proactively um, providing what we hope are meaningful public programs. So free programs to raise visibility about um, issues of diversity and racial equity in Hampton Roads. And so, for instance, Tuesday evening, we hosted a panel discussion um, in partnership with Norfolk State, at Norfolk State, and we had descendants from um, the Dred Scott case and the Plessy versus Ferguson case um, talk about um, racial healing and reconciliation. Um, and I mean, I think we had probably 800 people come wow. out on a very cold Tuesday night um, to hear from these folks and have an opportunity to ask questions uh, about, you know, how most of the questions that, that our audience asked were really about how can we continue to positively affect change? How can we get this message out there? How can we inspire other people um, to be more proactive and engaged? And that is, I think, one of the things that is particularly unique about community foundations, Hampton Rose Community Foundation and many community foundations, is their commitment to identify problems in a community and collaborate to find solutions and really look at um, the nonprofit sector, but also the for-profit sector, to have those conversations and try to find solutions. Um, so I'm excited to see from my colleagues what's coming next. I know we will be doing a program with Richard Rothstein, who is um, 
a professor and an author who wrote The Color of Law. So he's coming at the end of April to give a free lecture at the Attics. And so we are thrilled to, to have him come. Um, and we'll be doing some other public programs on resiliency, which, you know, resiliency has many meanings, but um, particularly with the work that Old Dominion University's um, Coastal Resiliency Office is doing, so focused on climate change and, and adaptation and preparation specific to Hampton Roads, because of course we are number two in the U.S., uh, the community subject to issues of sea level rise um, behind New Orleans. So, as you know from living here and growing up here, um, flooding happens on a regular basis and we are subject to uh, very challenging environmental conditions. And so, what can we as a community do? And so, um, ODU is doing a lot of work with that, so we're partnering with them to help continue to f encourage that dialogue and reach more people. Got it. No, it's good stuff. Um, and yeah, to your point, I, my old office was uh, flooded <laughs> a couple times. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, that's definitely good work. Um, what are maybe some of your, you know, mentors or advisors? If it, you know, do you have anyone that you go and get, you know, advice on career wise when you're making these changes or, you know, even just now in your new role, do you seek, uh, you know, any, any counsel on that, on any of that? So I've been really fortunate to have met a number of folks, mostly women, um, through my work in the development community in the region, and particularly through my involvement with an organization called AFP, it's the Association of Fundraising Professionals, and there's a Hampton Roads chapter, um, and we have about 200 members. Um, and that organization has helped connect me with um, other development professionals and retired development professionals that I can call when I want some advice, need, feel like I want to bounce some ideas off someone or trying to figure out what my, you know, what my next move might be. Um, so I feel very grateful to, to have those people in my life. Um, and I also am very grateful because um, my, my current boss is a wonderful mentor to me and has been incredibly encouraging about helping me think about my professional and personal trajectory and kind of and giving me the opportunity to um, continue to grow and learn and so I you know feel really really blessed to have that relationship um, I also actually mentor a number of folks. Um, I provide, I've been a mentor both through AFP, which has an active mentoring program um, to help younger folks in the, in the fundraising world in our region. Um, and I also have been a mentor through the CIVIC program. Um, CIVIC has a CIVIC scholars program, they're ODU students. And so I have um, been paired with an ODU student currently in college to kind of help them and uh, be a mentor and a sounding board for, for them to be able to see what they want to do while they're finishing college and then what happens afterwards. So I feel really grateful because I know having other people to talk to has really helped me. And so I love being able to give back through that. 
Perfect. Now, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast and just sharing all the, uh, the pearls of wisdom. Where can the listeners kind of connect with you and follow your, uh, your journey? The socials, <laughs> as they say. Yeah. Uh, so I'm definitely on LinkedIn and I am um, not good about posting things on Twitter, particularly, or Instagram. Um, and then personally, I'm on Facebook, but um, professionally, probably LinkedIn is, is, the most, is the best place. And all of the information about what the Community Foundation is doing is on our website, the organization's website as well. HamptonRoadCF.org is the best place to be. And we're always looking for new outlets to um, share what we're doing uh, and looking for partnerships. And so we've you know, expanded, the Community Foundation has expanded our communications strategy. I know you're always kind of, how do you get the word out, right? It's the challenge for everyone. How do you get the word out? Particularly because I think the space is so crowded and people are so segmented in how they get their news. So finding the channels to reach your audience is everybody's kind of stick. <laughs> like, where where does that work? So, um, so we have... Um, try to develop new relationships and you know going to other media sources we've been working with the new journal and guide to get to different audiences that way and I, I think you know we're seeing we're seeing that people do consume media in different places and um, they're not totally in their own little bubble um, which is good so try to get that how don't know how do you how do you feel <laughs> like you connect with people it's tough um, so for us you know we take a kind of multi faceted approach, right? Like we look at where is inexpensive kind of attention and kind of what are the organic ways that we can maybe come up with a message and deliver, uh, you know, and kind of penetrate through that attention. So, um, I mean, we use a lot of digital stuff, so we're doing a lot with LinkedIn. LinkedIn is definitely very important for our top of funnel. Um, we also are doing a lot for our product. It's visual, so Instagram is a really great place for us to communicate ideas and creativity. Um, we also work, I mean, now audio, you know, the, the rise of audio over, you know, uh, I mean, it's been years and years, but it's just, you know, it's starting to really hit a tipping point when you look at, you know, like the kind of macro level of it and you see like, these acquisitions are happening, you know, content's being distributed, and, um, you know, that's why we've really we've gotten a lot more serious about uh, kind of the audio channel. Um, you know, just written word, you know, like creating, like, actual blog posts and just communicating ideas through that format is also effective for us, and that's something that, you know, again, kind of gets distributed through social media where organic reach is kind of, you know, as you know, high point. So, and then just testing, you know, like events are really good for us, you know, hosting events, um, you know, kind of like going out and doing events sometime can be effective, but for the most part, um, you know, being here at the shop is really important. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, you know, there's a lot to be said for paid media too. There's a lot of paid media where, um, you know, where the CPMs and the, you know, conversion values kind of align. So, you know, we're always kind of scanning that and we're always on the lookout for just new opportunities, whether that's like, 
esports or games or TikTok or just places where like you know you, you just the audience is young but the the you know kind of like consumption is high and you know the reach is is uh you know the organic reach is good so that's kind of what we've got so do you work with influencers we do so influencers have been a huge uh you know kind of you know brand builder for you know our product you know it's such a um it's such a organic and kind of word of mouth way to get your product or your service or your idea in front of people and um, kind of acts as a two-way street. One way is content creation. So you, at the end of the day, you, you have a picture, you have a video, you have a written word, you have an audio clip. And then at the end of the day, you also have distribution of that creative variable that you've created. So if you made a picture, now it's being posted. If you made a video, now it's being posted. So it's, you know, kind of, it's a great kind of way, I think, for, you know, companies that even want to think about sustainability, you know, how do you take uh, a product and how do you kind of, you know, find ways to get it in front of people for kind of, you know, a good value. So, yeah, no, this is, uh, this is, this is, this is great. This is a uh, nice, nice little, uh, reflection of what, what's been <laughs> happening here over the past uh, past year or so so now this is great thank you so much for coming on and um, you know we'll link up your uh, web and your LinkedIn there too so Thanks. thank you it was a pleasure thank you